Hello, fuck demons, and welcome to Sex News with Ray. I'm your host, Ray, and today we are joined again with Katie, a sex educator from Sacramento, California. What's the weather like where you are today? Hot as balls, and not like the pleasant kind of balls, but like the like kind of really small. We just talked about that we don't mind sweaty balls. It's hot. It's too hot. It's hot. I was just thinking, we always say hot as balls, but the reason balls are external is because they're self-regulating their own temperature to keep them cool. We should say hot as ovaries. Yes. This is accurate. Mm-hmm. They're internal because they need to be warmer. All right. Today in sex news, Willow Smith opens up about being polyamorous. This is from BBC News, April 29th, 2021. Here's my opening note. Willow Smith is poly. Cool. <laughs> A quote from the article. Willow said she couldn't see herself wanting to go past two partners. And then she herself said, with polyamory, I feel like the main foundation is the freedom to be able to create a relationship style that works for you and not just stepping into monogamy because that's what everyone around you says is the right thing to do. And then we speak to Leanne, 22 years old, bi, poly, and runs a website called Polyphilia, the largest polyamorous education page in the UK. You know, she goes on to say, poly people aren't necessarily having more sex and they're not selfish and greedy. She says, I love my partner and I want other people to love them too. It's really about customizing your connections. And there's perceptions that polyamory is just for white people and cultural pressures from more traditional relatives to be more monogamous. And then she quotes again saying, my parents are Chinese and my mom said I was cold hearted that I'd never experienced true love. She said I was no better than a prostitute and I was insecure in letting my partner take advantage of me. My mom saw it as betraying my race and felt these were things that white people do. And she finishes with thoughts on how people choose monogamy because it's socially accepted and she will never be satisfied with it. Initial thoughts, Katie? So many. Um, the first one and the more positive response is the idea of I loving my partner and I want others to love them too. And... I was laughing because I recently got back on dating apps and I changed my settings to be women only because I just don't have the patience for men right now. Um, mostly, And also because I have multiple male partners that I'm very happy with. Uh, and the number of women that I have like swiped on, both because I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, like you seem like a cool person to hang out with, but realize immediately like, oh, I'm not into this person. I want them to meet my partner. Because they would love my partner and my partner would love them. And it just kind of cracks me up because I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe you actually aren't looking to date right now. <laughs> You're just trying to find other partners for your partner? You're playing well, just or? Just bring, bring more love into our life. Like, and bring in more like-minded people and, and awesome women to be around. I just maybe don't feel the need to be dating but I still want these dope-ass women in my life. And so here we go. But, Friendship. Using dating apps to make new friends. Yeah, make new friends. Well, isn't there this big trope about, uh, like, or maybe not trope, but I see a lot of TikToks and other just content around two girls trying to figure out if the other girl is bi or lesbian and into the other person and how hard it is to tell and, like, just doing all of those weird cues and it just being really confusing. Like, oh, she's into tarot cards, but, like, does that mean she's bi? Or, like... Oh, she she really likes crystals. So, and so she's a witch. Is, is she bi? Like, what well, you know? Have we talked about lesbian sheep syndrome? No, what's that? <laughs> okay, so one of my friends in the poly community, I was lamenting to him during the pandemic that like I was having a lot of trouble with that with dating women for that exact reason. And he was like, "Oh, it's lesbian sheep syndrome." I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about, Bobby?" And he goes, "Well." 
So the way that sheep indicate that they want to mate is that they make eye contact across the pasture. The female sheep turns around, presents her rear end to the male sheep, and he's like, oh, she's DTF. Hell yeah. And then he comes over and they fuck. When it's two female sheep, they both turn around and show their butts and nobody does anything. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I like, there's a part of me that's like not loving being compared to a sheep, but also that is the most accurate description. And it's also, it's part of why like sometimes when I have honestly, like my most successful female relationships have been very murky. But at one point someone finally is like, I'm into you. Like I'm sexually into you. Just making sure that that's clear. And then it's like, Oh, same. Let's make out. (laughs) And it's, yeah. But so either way, my initial thoughts, I love the idea of sharing my partner because he is an awesome human. And I want, first of all, I want every woman to have awesome men in their life if that's what they want. And there are some out there, there are quite a few very good ones, but there's also a lot of wasted time and emotional energy trying to find the right man to spend your energy on. And like, frankly, my partner is one of those good ones. So I'm like, hell yeah, share the love. I really liked how this article did more than just make an announcement about Willow's polyamory. Mm. I really liked Mm -hmm. how it went into the uh, racial and cultural stereotypes around who is poly or non-monogamous and Mm -hmm. the representation issues that we have in lifestyle communities where typically it's seen as for skinny white people. So the part where, where I think Leanne is talking about her parents' response to her saying she's non-monogamous and, you know, they're taking advantage of you. Those are also responses I think that white parents also have. Yes. Frequently. Like, like, it's not like that's just you know, one, you know, only, oh, it's because she's Chinese that that parent had that response. Many do, but there is very much a perception that non-monogamy is just for white people. Well, and I would say not even white people so much as like middle-class white people, like white people that can afford to date multiple people. Right. White people who can afford to go to sex conventions. Yeah. Yes. And that, that was exactly the comparison I was going to make. And obviously not equating the BDSM community with the polyamory community. Yes. I am certain that there's a lot of overlap, but like just because you're poly doesn't mean you're into kink. Just because you're into kink or BDSM doesn't mean you're poly. It's the Venn diagrams. I've talked about this with latex. Just because you're into latex doesn't mean you're into impact play or consider Mm -hmm. yourself a dom or a sub, but there is a lot of crossover and people who are doms or subs like the aesthetic. So they will buy latex and the Venn diagram. Same thing with kink and BDSM and non-monogamy. Well, and I, and, and so the other piece, I think for me, when it comes to, to polyamory is that when we're talking about it culturally, historically, and to our detriment, white people live in like single family, single generation homes. Whereas there are a lot more communities where it is very normal and expected to have multi-generational homes. So you have love and support and care coming from a bunch of different places. And yes, you are also, you know, returning that, which I'm sure is draining at times. And there's a certain level of like fierce independence that has developed in white communities. And it's frankly annoying. And I think that's probably part of why polyamory is more common. Keep in mind, this is radical speculation. 
I don't know that this is true. This is just a, an observation. I think there's something to be said for chosen family over mm -hmm. over uh, mandatory family. I know that I think about having to move back in with my parents if my husband dies because I couldn't pay my rent by myself. And that gives me nightmares. Like I love my parents, but I don't want to live with them because my parents are very much parents mm -hmm. and they will yeah. try to parent me. I don't need that. My dad stays up till four in the morning watching Star Trek. And like, I don't want to have to go through that and listen to that. I go to bed early. Things like that. Like the, those are the, you're not choosing these people that you're living with. You're living with them because they were chosen for you. Yeah. Versus polycules. That, that's usually what you refer to when you have a bunch of different people who are all sort of intermixed and interdating. Polycules, they've chosen their family. They've chosen who they want to interact with. They've chosen who they want to raise their kids with in their community and their values. And they've chosen based off of more than just blood. So there's definitely something there about yeah, absolutely. just the, the community aspect of it. Before we go on, we should probably talk about, we've been interchanging words, non-monogamy, polyamory. They're mm -hmm. not the same thing. We should go into what those things are. Yes, some definitions. Okay, so polyamory typically refers to multiple relationships or, you know, a romantic relationship component. So... This can look like going on dates. Maybe you introduce those partners to your family. Or I also know that sometimes this just looks the way that friendship looks when you're having sex. Like it can be really complicated and we'll get into mm -hmm. that. Versus non-monogamy, which is you just have a partner and you only go outside the relationship for pure sex. So maybe it's hookups, maybe it's play partners, but you're not having relationships with these people. You're not necessarily having that romantic component. And then other things that are non-monogamy are people who have threesomes. Sorry, if you and your boyfriend are having threesomes, you're non-monogamous. You two, you might call yourselves monogamous, but by definition, three is more than two. You're non-monogamous. Even if you have a playing in the same, well, I guess if you're only playing with each other and you're in the same room as someone else, maybe you're still monogamous. But like if you are including another person, threesomes, that's, that's non-monogamy. And throuples. Yeah, throuples. I think people get very confused about the difference between non-monogamy and polyamory because of what friendship looks like to people. And we're getting ahead of ourselves, but um, I recently finished reading a book on asexuality that is informing uh, almost our entire asexuality episode. And that's a big factor is the idea that like there doesn't have to be this comfortable for society separation between what a platonic relationship, a romantic relationship, like what those look like and feel like. You can have anything on the spectrum of romance to no romance and friendship to, well, I guess you're probably always going to want friendship. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I At think, least well, a little bit, right? My question has always been, what does friendship look like to people? Because friendship to me looks very different than friendship to other. And I'm going to put this in, I'm going to be very heteronormative for a second, just mm -hmm. because I'm speaking from my experience and I am a straight woman. So what I've noticed, even like before I got married, a lot of the people that I was interacting with and still to this day, a lot of the men that I interact with just seem to have a different definition of friendship. Mm. The bonds and friendships that I have with my female friends are deep and mm -hmm. lasting. And we talk about important things and we talk about our feelings and it's really not hard work. So when I would try and, you know, find guys who would say, oh, I really want to friends with benefits. I'd be like, great. Friends with benefits. Friends is first. Benefits is second not mm -hmm. benefits and friends. And I would meet all these guys who would say that. And what they meant was they want a girl they can fuck whenever they want to and then mm -hmm. not call her when they're not horny. And I was like, yeah. why would you say friends with benefits? Why don't you just say I'm looking for a fuck? 
Like, why are you lying to myself? Like, are you lying to me? Are you lying to you? And I genuinely had this question of maybe they don't know what friendship can be. Maybe this is how men are socialized. Maybe they just don't know how to be friends with someone. That being said, I've never had this question answered. I'm going to continue to ask it. So if you are a listener and you have experiences with friendship, deep friendship as a man, or just what it's like to be raised as a man, please write in. I would love to have this discussion at any point. I I can only speak from the conversations I've had with male partners and friends about this subject. But I mean, male intimacy is very much not it's not celebrated like female intimacy and intimacy and female friendships is expected Mm -hmm. whereas for men that is not only not an expectation but it is uncomfortable because of the way that society treats male friendships and so I think it it makes total sense that there is confusion over what a fuck buddy is versus what a friends with benefits is and how that fits into non-monogamy Right. Like, what's the difference between a non-monogamous man and a fuckboy? Well, that can be really hard to tell. But I would say a non-monogamous man understands that you're going to you're going to have to meet the girl at her level of what she expects friendship Mm. from. Like, if you are a non-monogamous person or a polyamorous person in the community, that means you're familiar with the language and the lifestyle and the dynamics and are happy to navigate those complex conversations. Not that everyone always is. I was going to say, I got my heart ripped out of me last year because of someone well because of obviously it's always mutual there's always mutual issues but like someone who identified as non-monogamous and poly and yet was not emotionally prepared for that Mm. and waited far too long to actually say something to where it was like oh no we're deep in this now guess we're just gonna have to try to figure it out and then of course Inevitably, it did not get figured out because it's fucking hard. Yeah. Or you'll have people. I I would meet people who would show up to Oasis and they were genuinely just fuckboys, but they loved the space because they got to be a fuckboy and nobody cared. Mm. But they didn't understand that, like, you're never going to be a regular. And I don't mean a regular, like regular. You can be regularly there, but you might not be a regular, like a, a community in person unless you are willing to self-reflect. Have some self-awareness and some emotional vulnerability and be open. Yeah. Here's how you can tell the difference between someone who's non-monogamous and a fuckboy. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Non-monogamous people might transition between non-monogamy and monogamy. They might have multiple mm. partners and then end in a monogamous relationship for a span of time. That relationship might end or change into a non-monogamous one. But mm. they will stay in contact and friends with their partners, their previous sex partners. Mm-hmm. Fuckboys will cut you off without a word. Because they're now in a relationship and they can't Mm -hmm. be talking to other girls, you know, like that toxic monogamous culture. That's how you can tell when they when that's when you know that they're not actually interested in in like what it means to be in a swinger club, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that that I I think that you hint at um, at the the very real feeling and like basically capital J jealousy and the role that it plays in all relationships, but especially when we're talking non-monogamy, because what you just described is this idea of, I have to preempt the jealousy. Exactly. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. And so because of that, I'm just going to cut off all my other partners without a real explanation. Or it's not right for me to be talking to these other girls. It's not right to my primary girlfriend. And it's like, why isn't it right? So we weren't friends. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. friends. You're not friends. We so there was no friendship here. You told me yeah. we were, but we're we're not. But we're super not. Mm-hmm. Thank you for lying to me. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. 
Well, and, and one thing that I will say, and like, I do not mean to come in defense of uh, men with fuckboy tendencies, uh, but I, but I really, I do think that for the sake of my own mental and emotional health as someone who is interested in dating men, uh, I do have to like channel empathy a lot to be like, it's not entirely their fault that they are this way. Society put them into this box and yes, it is on them to have the self-awareness to push back against it and to make the changes that make them into a dope human, but also but that does not mean that I'm putting up with fuckboy tendencies anymore. You can quote me on that. I think you can be empathetic and and understand yes. while also not accepting that behavior as it relates to you. I do try to empathize with with people because I think that that's the only way that we're going to move forward. If you just demonize, mm -hmm. as much as we're all a bunch of fuck demons, if you just demonize <laughs> everyone else in the world because they were raised in a certain way, but you expect different. It's kind of like when, okay. I know that we should not expect people to be educating other people all the time, right? Like, I'm a woman. Educate yourself on these issues. Why should you ask me as a woman? And I'm like, thinking like, well, because you're the person they can ask. So mm -hmm. if they say, I want to know and expect you to explain everything, but they say, I want to know, and you go, well, then can't read this article. And once you've read it, we'll have a discussion. If they don't read the article, they're the asshole. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that hard. You are this person's connection to learning the thing, mm -hmm. to, to entering it. Like, I know that when I when I'm trying to find um, indigenous voices to talk about the 215, you know, bodies that were found on the residential schools uh, this month because we're recording in, in June. June. Yeah. Um, I know that for me, it's very hard to, if you just look up hashtag indigenous, that's not necessarily going to get you the kind of content you're looking for to share. Mm -hmm. Having an indigenous person who can say, here's who I follow. Here's who you want to follow. That's mm -hmm. very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I had another friend get into an argument about Israel, because that's also something that happened in the news recently. And she didn't know how to respond to her friend. I said, here's an account that might give you the words. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yep. here's how you can, here's how you can have this discussion in a nuanced way. This is an, an account that I trust what they're saying. And I trust that they are not just going to blanket statements agree with one person or the other. They're going to give you a nuanced look at the issue. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you need to find those accounts and finding those accounts really hard. So when it comes to fuckboys and unlearning their fuckboy behavior, sometimes it just takes someone saying, are you aware that you are not self-aware enough to be entering into a monogamous relationship right now or a non-monogamous relationship right now. Not everyone has the energy all the time to educate fuckboys about non-monogamy. Yeah, well, and also, like, being able to suss out the true intention, I think, is important. And that's kind of difficult at times. And it does take a few, a few dates, a few conversations, whatever, for you to be able to kind of understand, like, okay... I get this motivation and the intention here. And it is the intention that is worth my time and energy. I think a really great test, if they can't wait to have sex with you, like if they're not willing to not have sex with you that first night, it has to be that first night. They're probably a fuck boy. I understand meeting someone in a life, and I'll give an example. You can meet someone in a lifestyle club and you're both really sexually attracted to each other. And you're like, let's do it. Let's go. Let's make it happen and you have sex, great. That's fine. Uh, maybe you talk to each other again after, maybe you don't. But if you meet someone that you're interested in sexually and they're interested in you, and then you say, oh, actually, I have to go talk about it with my partner and my partner's not mm. here right now. Why don't we exchange information and meet up another time? If they're not interested in that. They're a fuck boy. Okay. Got it. I 
fully was reading that as like a if you want to wait and not fuck on the first date, which is perfectly fine. Um, and and they're not down, which I guess is, is exactly what you're saying. But I was certainly picturing a just like, quote unquote, like a normal Tinder date where you you go on it and you're like feeling it. No, if you're feeling it, you can go for it. But what if you have boundaries that you need to discuss with your your primary partner or mm-hmm. you and your primary partner have a rule saying that like you can't do one night stands or you can't have sex on the first date because they want to make sure that this is someone you can trust. And, you know, like there is there is a, a lot of safety concerns yeah. with hooking up. And I know that some people, it gives them anxiety to think about their partner being in an unsafe situation that they can't help them through. That's mm-hmm. that's a factor. I mean, you're basically dating while also being in a committed relationship with someone who cares about you. So there's a lot going on there. It's true. I'm not saying don't have sex if you feel like having sex, like, you know, do what you want. But definitely gauge what how this person feels about the the partner. And if they are weird about it, there's a difference between someone who's maybe new to non-monogamy and mm. interested or just it's unfamiliar and someone who is trying to use non-monogamy to their advantage. Yes, absolutely. And you and you can't you can't tell the difference. You just gotta have your eyes open to it, which is not always easy. Yeah, I know we've talked in the past about jealousy and we've talked about compersion. We've talked about mm. neutrality. So just to remind people, compersion is used a lot in the poly world to talk about the feeling of joy you get when your partner is happy. And this can be feeling happy that your partner is having a guy's night that they're having a really good time at. And it can also refer to being or a girl's night or a non-binary night or (laughs) it can be or or an inclusive of all genders and all orientations. Or it can also be your partner met someone new that they have a crush on that they're really excited about and you're excited that they're excited. And that new relationship energy is like feeding positive vibes. And when someone's mm-hmm. happy and they come home happy, it's a happy home. No, it's true. And and that's, so I learned about compersion from my current boyfriend. So I have, for those of you who need to, need to understand the context of my life, um, I have a husband and I have a long-term boyfriend and then I have um, a few, well, one really, uh, other long-term partner and that's my polycule. And we have a cute little WhatsApp group called the Katie Care Team because it's the, I am the one that is demanding of care all the time. And that's mm-hmm. okay. That's why I'm poly. Um, but I learned about compersion from him because we are long distance. And so it came up all the time where like I was feeling a little bit guilty about the fact that we didn't get as much intimate time together as my husband and I do because we live together. And the response was, no, I love it when you guys are enjoying yourselves and having a romantic and fulfilling night together. Like that makes me so happy. That's compersion. And I love it. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to take a little sidebar here. So the whole time we were working together, you had these multiple boyfriends. No, because I didn't start dating. Okay. So it was later. Yeah. We didn't become Polly until summer 2019. Okay, yeah, because I was like thinking, like, why didn't she tell me? She knew I was a slut. Oh uh, yeah, anyway, no, I yeah. would have told you. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, good. Okay, I was like, were there secrets and lies? No, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> we're going on two years of being Polly, and then and my boyfriend and I have been dating for almost that entire two years. Right. Like our okay. our first date was a week after my wedding. <laughs> yeah, and it was. Have great. you had situations where you've gone on dates or met someone who like it's good for now, but eventually they want monogamy? And and things are going to end. And has that happened yet? Not necessarily. Um, I have. I have been on I have been on dates and in relationships with people for whom they think they're 
poly slash non-monogamous, but in reality, they are look like, or not necessarily, they might still be, but they are looking for a primary. Mm-hmm. And despite the expectations and the conversations that go into most most of my first dates where I specify I'm not looking for a primary or I'm very specific about like what kind of relationship I'm looking for. There have been people that want me to be their primary and I cannot do that. And they are not stoked when. Right. Because you're married. Comes back you have a primary. Face. Well, it's not even that I'm married. It's it's that I don't have the emotional energy for it because like I I have two primary partners, which like is sustainable because of the amount of <clears throat> emotional groundwork that has gone into making that into a healthy situation. But three months into a relationship and someone is trying to treat you like their primary and you're like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't have the emotional space for this. I don't know if you remember, but this is like, I want to be friends and I want to have intimate conversations, but I cannot be your emotional support animal. We keep talking about the word primary. I know there's different models of relationships. Like yes. uh, what you're referring to primary, some people refer to as a hierarchical re- relationship model. Do you want to get into that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, absolutely. So so um, I kind of recently met someone that had a very successful um, relationship anarchy model, which is essentially that there are no primaries, there are no secondaries. everybody is on the same level of intimacy and um, prioritization and support. With a hierarchical model, you have a primary. Sometimes you have a secondary. Sometimes you don't have a secondary. You just have multiple other partners and none of them fall into the category of, you know, being a quote unquote secondary. Um, Sometimes you'll have multiple secondaries. And if you're me... You have two primaries and it somehow works really nicely. I know that uh, some people have issues with the hierarchical system because how yes. could you place people in, in more importance than others? And I'm like, uh, we do that with literally everything. Everything. Even your friendships are hierarchical. Your family relationships are hierarchical. Like we that it's just a you have to. You can't treat everyone the same all the time. You can't you can't take a bullet for everyone in your life. Yeah, I would say, though, <laughs> that um, I've heard examples of poly relationships where someone was um, you know, on a date with their their partner, their marriage partner, or their primary partner, and then one of their other partners who wasn't a primary had to go to the hospital for something. Mm. And they looked at their partner and were like, they're in the hospital. And the primary partner said, you have to go to them. Mm-hmm. Because that scenario takes precedence over our romantic date. Yes. 100%. So that's just because there's a hierarchy of primary, secondary doesn't mean that that means that you ignore emergency situations. Uh, I've had emergency situations with friends where I've had to cancel plans with my husband to go deal mm-hmm. with that friend. And that it's the same dynamic. It doesn't necessarily mean more important or better. Yes. It just it's means just the level emotional of... energy you are putting into that relationship. Precisely. Yep. And and it's interesting because like really everything we're talking about this season is so centered around very healthy communication negotiation and self-awareness and like all three of those things are key components of any polyamorous relationship but like for me that I think part of that negotiation piece is one of the things that makes me uncomfortable which is why relationship anarchy couldn't work for me because like having to constantly like try to have the conversation of like why I'm doing what I'm doing whereas having a very clear hierarchy really helps me to be able to say, Hey, my husband is having a really hard week. So just a heads up that like, I'm going to be a little distant this week while I'm devoting my energy to him. 
And I know you could, I know you can do that in relationship anarchy because people do it. But for you, you, you personally find it easier. Yeah. I, to bring this back to the article, which I rarely do, the article sometimes is just my introduction opener, but to bring this back (laughs) to the article, uh, I feel like that goes back to what Leanne was saying. Was it Willow or Leanne? The quote Willow. Willow. I feel like the main foundation is the freedom to be able to create a relationship style that works for you. Mm -hmm. So whether you call it hierarchical or you don't, you're creating a relationship style that works for you and you're doing it with other people where theoretically it works for them. Mm -hmm. And not every relationship or friendship needs to last a lifetime. Mm. So polyamory and non-monogamy allow you to enjoy whatever relationship, whatever the relationship's going Mm -hmm. to be. There was also a meme going around, you know, just saying... Being non-monogamous is fun because are we going to be hiking buddies? Are we going to be lovers? Are we going to be mm-hmm. both? Are we going to be drinking buddies? I don't need to determine, you know, yeah. I don't need to put parameters on this. I don't yes. need to say, oh, well, we're definitely going to be romantic. You can just sort of be like, oh, maybe we're more like this. Mm-hmm. And and you have that that flexibility to let the relationship ebb and flow in the way in the way that's natural and comfortable for everybody involved. Right. Whereas there's a certain level of like almost panic. When when you're in a monogamous situation, you're like, why is this person distancing themselves from me? Like, what am I doing wrong? What's and it's like, maybe things are just like a little stressful right now and they don't have the space. Yeah. And yes, it's on them to communicate that. But like but then you can go off and say, like, I need more emotional energy from someone. So Mm -hmm. let me I mean, a lot of people will do this with their friendships as Mm -hmm. well. You know, I think one of the reasons you see a lot of fuckboys claiming to be non-monogamous is because there's that lack of intimate friendship. And so they're Mm -hmm. able to get that by being with multiple women who can put their emotional energy into that person. Yes. Which is a whole other conversation. Well, okay. What are other reasons? We've talked a lot about multiple relationships, but why would someone be non-monogamous, a.k.a. have their emotional relationship needs met, but maybe want to go and have other sex partners? So my husband and I actually started off non-monogamous because I wanted to explore more kink. And wanted to try BDSM relationships and exploring other things. And he was like, I don't feel like ready for that. I'm not super interested. And I don't want to hold you back from exploring that. And so it was very much like, go find some play partners. Um, It was that. And we were also, we were long distance. And so like, you got to get laid. Yeah, dude. Like, I like to fuck. (laughs) It's fun. And, and so it was all about like, while it doesn't make sense for you to like be celibate when we're not in the same space, because I know you love me. We're getting married. Like, right. We There's such emotional the security in that, that, <laughs> yeah. that you're getting married. It's not like they're leaving you. It's not like you're leaving him. You love him enough mm-hmm. to get married. That's a lot of money to spend on someone you don't like. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of a combo of those, of those two things. And, um, and honestly, like the, the play partners and the the folks that I dated during that like six months of being long distance are still some of my closest friends and confidants because we developed such a great level of emotional intimacy because of all the crazy shit that was going on in my life. Like inevitably they became a safe space for me to just like exist as Katie, not as Katie, the bride or Katie, the working three jobs or X, Y, Z. Um, and it was, and yeah, and it was just fucking awesome. Yeah, I hear a lot of examples of someone saying, 
we met very young. I really want to explore mm-hmm. this side of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that allows that person to do it and learn more about them. I do think that people use sex as a tool to learn about themselves. Yes, absolutely. And some, you know, you're, you're going to grow and change and having sex with different people does allow you to learn more about yourself and mm-hmm. grow and grow in your interactions and mm-hmm. not just in terms of your skill set, like oh, I'm great at hand jobs now because I've given a million. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring yeah. very much to the the learning about what you want, what you don't like, how you like to communicate things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning a different way of being. Yes. Ugh. Man, being poly is so fun. And like, we're not here trying to get you to drink the Kool-Aid, like for the record. Like, you do what you're going to do. Live your truth. Be kind to yourself and others. Yeah, some people want monogamy because it is so socially accepted people like social Mm -hmm. acceptance doing anything that is not that is uncommon I mean there's a big debate on whether polyamory and non-monogamy should be included in the LGBT letters which I don't think it should and we can get into that but um because it's for some people they feel like polyamory or non-monogamy is not a choice for them and that being forced to be monogamous is like forcing them into this lifestyle and I'm like okay that's that, that no that's People are capable of being monogamous and non-monogamous. You're not capable of being, like, you're not capable of choosing gay or straight. I Where I would push back is I I do feel that polyamory is a sexual identity. I think it's a sexual identity, but I do think that people who are polyamorous or non-monogamous have and do choose occasionally to enter monogamous commitments, and that's fine. I've never met a gay person who, once they're out of the closet, chooses to be in a straight relationship if they're in a society that is accepting of their identity. Fair. And also that is kind of negating the experience of anybody that is on the sexuality spectrum of not straight. That's like, fair. Like, That's fair. I mean, I, I would like I'm not straight, but I mostly date men. I have dated women. I enjoy that. Like my I have female friends that have pretty much only been in female monogamous relationships, but like have men in their life that they're like, I'd be DTF sometime if you are. So like, I guess the reason that I want to bring this up as a concept is because I have met people who are like, I'm polyamorous. So this is why I'm going to be with all of these people. And they basically just use it as a as a tool of abuse. But that's them being an asshole. That, that doesn't, yeah, that's that true. doesn't okay, so you know what the then? validity of... Look at me learning about myself on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You've changed my mind. I'm going to take back what I said. I think we can have multiple acronyms, by the way. Like, we don't necessarily need to include relationship models that have, like, we want to talk about romantic orientation versus sexual orientation. So mm-hmm. LGBT does refer to sexual orientation, yes. whereas monogamous, non-monogamous might refer to romantic, romantic. orientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I'm saying we don't need to include on the LGBT spectrum, I think it's because it's not, it's not a sexual orientation even yeah. if it's a sexual identity like if if we're talking like i would put polyamory in the lgbtq plus the plus part okay mm-hmm. in the same ser- section i would say if we're gonna throw in pansexual asexual mm-hmm. into that umbrella then but well uh, the, well but that's what i'm saying i would like, say i would say aromantic and demi-romantic and right uh, okay i was confusing things again so many terms so yeah. much nomenclature well, and so and so that's where I think um, and that's why the conversation is so fun, because everybody what is going to have... are we going to categorize things in today? <laughs> well, it's not even that so much as it's that um, so long as there is empathy and the intent to learn is there, like 
it is a fully reasonable conversation to say, I don't know how I feel about polyamory being included in the LGBTQ plus umbrella. And it's perfectly reasonable for someone who's poly and queer to say, "Mm, I kind of feel like it does fall into there because it's a part of my, it's my sexual identity in a big way. And and so there isn't an answer. There's no central authority on what is, what belongs in the LGBTQ plus umbrella, because that wouldn't be fair because inevitably you're going to be leaving someone out, which is not the, the whole fucking point is to create a space for everyone to feel included and safe, despite what makes them different. And right. in celebration of what makes them different from the quote unquote norm. Though I saw a statistic that like one in six Gen Zers identifies as LGBTQ plus. Yeah, I think because people are now aware that sexuality is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's not, you don't have to choose. You can yes. be whatever you You're like, be. I can just be a little gay. And that's fine. And that's okay. I can like making out with women, but nothing else. And that's mm-hmm. fine. I can be romantically attracted to women and want to date women and maybe not want to fuck women, which brings us to romantic orientation and sexual orientation, which was asked of that question was asked of me at the beginning of a, um, a mentorship relationship that I was starting for my master's project, which was about um, my master's final was all on creating sexual health education modules, et cetera. And I was asked that and I was like, what the fuck? I don't know. Aren't they like, are they not the same thing? And it, it took, it has taken me a year to finally reach a point of being able to understand that a, that orientation is going to be changing and shifting all the time for me and B understand the difference Mm -hmm. and understand, Oh, I get it. I am not always into dating men, but I like to fuck men. I love dating women. I don't always want to fuck women. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fascinating because it is a very they're they're completely different parts of self for a lot of people, not everyone. Mm-hmm. Um and we for so long have treated them like they're the same. Right, kind of like how people thought gender and sexual orientation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And gender and sex are the same. And now we're realizing it's so much more complicated than that. Yep. I also think, just to bring this back for a second too, like we're not, you were saying, we're not saying drink the Kool-Aid. Monogamy is is a valid choice and <laughs> yes. or a valid option. And I think a lot of people like monogamy because of their, you know, it's security. And mm-hmm. also society is structured around rights and privileges for the mm-hmm. monogamous. So it makes a lot of sense why someone would choose to not want to open a relationship or not be open in any way because of all of those privileges afforded monogamy or in monogamous couples. And it is accepted. And some people want a life that is socially acceptable in every way. And that's valid, too. It's a choice. It's a value. Yep. And I I don't I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I go I go off when I'm talking about asexuality and rights for queer platonic partners. We'll get there in a bit then. What I will say is you've also brought to the table today the continuum of exclusivity, which we're going to link in the show notes. And it basically goes through all of the different names for monogamous, non-monogamous relationships. I'm going to go through them and give like quick definitions for people who are new listeners. So. Uh, so it's a grid with high sexual exclusivity at the top and low sexual exclusivity at the bottom. And then from left to right horizontal, it's high emotional exclusivity on the left and low emotional exclusivity. So emotional versus sexual. So high sexual and emotional exclusivity is monogamy, which is, uh, you know, two people who are committed. Think of like your typical marriage. Monogamish, two people who are committed, who, 
you know, might play in spaces with other people in the room and might maybe invite people to join them in it. And polyfidelity, which is you have multiple relationships and that are sexual and and romantic, but you are exclusive with those people that you have all agreed to and vice versa. You're not going outside of that relationship and going on dates outside of those relationships that you've committed to. On high emotional exclusivity, but low sexual exclusivity, you've got open marriages and relationships where you can fuck whoever you want and you've got swinging. So that's, that's swinging also. I like can the you word- say more about swinging because I feel like for many people, including myself, we just think of uh, parties in the seventies where you put your car keys in a bowl and there there's actually, it's very unclear if that is a, a myth or like a, a real thing. Um, but aside from that, swinging actually is a bit of an old fashioned word. I feel like our generation and younger just call it non-monogamy or an open relationship because um, usually swinging might refer to something like a partner swap. And a lot of times people assume, oh, it's two couples who go together and they swap partners and then they go to their separate rooms and it's all in the same thing. And yeah, that is what swinging can look like, but it does just look a lot like non-monogamy. It's just non-monogamy is the new word for swinging. So some people will say swinging, some people will say non-monogamous, and you need to find out what their definition, no matter what definition of that is, because some people say we're swingers and their definition of swinging is different from a different person's definition of swingers. They mean we're in a house together and we just swap wives and then we fuck each other's wives in separate rooms or husband swap is also super fun or non-binary marriage partner swap. Um, which please let me know if there's a better word for that. And (laughs) I'm I'm certain there is, but yeah, I I can't. We're doing our best. I actually have a friend getting married who's non-binary and we're trying to determine a name because bride or groom is so inherently gendered and Mm -hmm. there's no good name for non-binary person getting married. So it's actually, I'm like actively racking my brain trying to come up with something witty. So this is why I keep saying non-binary Help us out. Yeah. Okay. So aside from that, um, same thing with an open relationship. One person, it might mean they are in a room and they are swapping partners and going off and fucking separately, or they're having an orgy altogether, or they're going on dates and their partner isn't there at all. And swinging can also mean the same thing. It means something different to everyone. So that's a little bit more of what those things are. So the next Thank on the grid, very much. no problem. There's, it means the same thing. Uh, there is high sexual exclusivity and low emotional exclusivity. So lots of sex, no emotions. This could be, according to this, asexual people and polyamorous people and poly intimates. I don't know what those things mean. Do you know those, Katie? Sure don't. All right. We're going to have to Google that later. Poly intimate, low emotional exclusivity, but high second. Cool. We're going to do some Googling later. I've literally never heard poly intimates before. And I work in a sex club. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that it means, um, like a, a, a sexually intimate partner that you have, but that emotional intimacy isn't necessarily there. Okay. So basically, I think it's a fuck Multiple buddy. Sex partner? Oh, okay. Okay. Like, yeah. like, that's kind of what I'm reading it as is, is a poly fuck buddy. So Could it's be. like, there's, there's a little bit more, there's a lot more like intention and like negotiation that goes into it. Fair. Okay. Then we've got low sexual exclusivity and low emotional in, in exclusivity. So this is where I start to disagree with this, by the way, because it puts hierarchical polyamory there. But I guess, oh yeah, I guess it makes sense. It's not that you're not emotional. No, it's that you're not emotionally exclusive. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, hierarchical polyamory. It took me a second. I'm like, what? That's judgy. No, it's not. Non-hierarchical polyamory is also here. Solo polyamory. You're a polyamorous person with absolutely no committed relationships, but like in terms of official boyfriend-girlfriend titles, non-binary partner titles. Um, 
And then there's also relationship anarchy, which we've sort of discussed a few of those. So that's, we'll put that uh, in the show notes for you guys. So you can look it over, but that's sort of all the different terms that, that this model has come up with. And what I love about this and, and why I put it into our notes was because for me, at least as someone who loves science and data, it made it so much easier for me to understand where I fall, not necessarily where my partnership falls, but like in a perfect world where I would live in here. Um, and it didn't necessarily make it easier to like find a label because that's not necessarily the point. It's more of like, okay, if I can point to this grid and say, this is where I am, where are you? It like, that makes the conversation start a lot easier for me because it's, it just feels a little bit more yeah. Or what are you looking for? Even if you don't want to give it the name of poly intimate, you can be like, where are you on this grid of what you're looking for? Yeah. Okay. So one last thing I think that we've touched on in a few different ways, but I really do want to touch on or talk about a little bit more is there's the ideal relationship, polyamorous, non-monogamous relationship where everyone is highly emotionally intelligent and they're always being so thoughtful of each other's feelings. And there's all these open communications and constant conversations around boundaries and consent and, and, and what you're looking for. And then there's like the reality that most people are not that great, myself included. <laughs> like my friends have described me as I had one friend tell me that I can be insensitive. And I had another friend be like, you're, you're a normal amount of human insensitive. Like the insensitivity that I can be is normal for a human because everyone can be insensitive at times and not fully emotionally aware. But you do have a lot of people in the polyamorous community who are very highly emotionally intelligent and very empathetic. And then you have people like me and lower. I was going to say I'm kind of spoiled because the... In my personal opinion... Um, I have been lucky enough to find kind of the gold standard of what a poly relationship looks like for me. Um, I have two primary partners that are both very emotionally intelligent and aware and very comfortable saying when their feelings have been hurt, very comfortable noticing when my reactions, which are usually not the best, like I am by far the least emotionally intelligent person in the relationship. Mm -hmm not the least emotionally intelligent, the least self-aware person in the, in the group. And, and so like, I'm often the one that has to be checked as like, Katie, it feels like the reaction that you're giving right now is actually coming from a different space. Like what's actually bothering you? And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, you need to, but that's the thing. There are people involved in that relationship that can point that out and then you can self-reflect. Yes, exactly. So you have to be willing to self-reflect even when your reactions aren't what you want them to yeah. be. And so like, I have been very lucky to, to find that. Um, and, and it absolutely is, it is high emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and quite frankly, no ego. The way that we talk about it makes it seem like if you're on the spectrum, you couldn't be non-monogamous though, because someone who's, who's on the spectrum can be, have high emotional intelligence and, yeah. and high empathy, but they express it in a very different way than, than how you're used to it or but they still have that those like key components, even mm -hmm. if it manifests in a different way, it's still there. Right. But I do know that the way people talk about non-monogamy a lot of Got the time it. does seem very yes. neurotypical focused. Yes. hundred percent. And I think that's something we should acknowledge that there are also people who are not neurotypical who can who are very capable of non healthy non-monogamous and polyamorous relationships. As someone who is very neurodivergent, like, yeah, it, it is it takes a lot more work and negotiation, but like, yeah, super, super doable. And if anything, I almost feel like it's a 
a more comfortable place for not neurotypical people because there is more flexibility in what is expected of you. You're not trying to fit into these very rigid expectations of what monogamy looks like and is supposed to sound and feel and present like. Right. It's you, not a constant performance. You're not correct. constantly performing your sexual and, and emotional relationships. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got, had this debate with a few friends. Not debate. I would say a discussion. But uh, we're all aiming for ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, you have to acknowledge that you're a human who's going to make mistakes. And oh, even yeah. when you try to be ethical, people get hurt. And feelings mm-hmm. get hurt. Yes. And the more relationships you have, the more chances you have to hurt someone's feelings. Absolutely. Well, and I think that it's important to understand that emotional pain is not necessarily the result of something being unethical. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is, but people are just trying to make yes. their best yeah. choices. So I've had a friend who refers to herself or people will say, oh, I'm ENM, an mm-hmm. ethical mm-hmm. non-monogamist. And they're basically yes. trying to distinguish themselves from... Um, fuck boys or friends with benefits or people who are <laughs> yes. monogamous, but just fucking around. And I'm like, ethical non-monogamy is, a, in my opinion, ethical non-monogamy is a practice, not an identity. Mm. But my friend disagrees with me on that. She refers to herself as an ethical non-monogamous because for her, that is that differentiation between fuck boy versus in the lifestyle. So this just goes back to us saying, I see your face right now, by the way, so I'd love to hear your thoughts, but this does go back to everyone gets to define shit the way they want to define it. So what use are these words if we all define them differently anyway? Anyway, I saw you had a face. The face I was making was that like, non-monogamy being, being an identity for me, like if I'm saying that non-monogamy is, is a practice and is a lifestyle and a preference, not an identity and polyamory is an identity, which I realize is my own personal preference. Like ENM falls into the same category as non-monogamy. It's just that you want to be very clear that you are doing this in a way that is fully consensual for everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Like ENM is still non-monogamy. Yeah. It's it's still it's still the way that you practice the non-monogamy. Yeah. The non-monogamy. So like I'm I'm with you. I agree. Sorry to friends. Yeah. I'm sure you're a lovely human. <laughs> that being said, it does go back to we try to label these things and yet we all try and come up with our own definitions that work for us. Yeah. These labels. We're all just sort of doing our best, man. Oh, yeah. All right. So on that note, we're going to take a quick little break. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome back. Fuck demons. I am ready with our listener question. Our listener question today comes from, I believe, a 12 year old boy. Oh, the question cute. is, why hair? At which point this boy's mother then gave us some some uh, more context for the question. So the question was, oh why hair? And then the follow-up text that I got was, because you apparently can also text me your questions. Specifically, why do we grow ja- hair, like body hair during puberty? And given all the shaving that people do, is body hair even really that necessary? So this mm. question is from a respectable young gentleman this time. Ooh, okay. I love the, the last question, the follow-up question, because I feel like, yeah, like, why have we not, like, evolved to not have as much body hair if it's so, quote-unquote, undesirable? But for the record, um, body hair is natural and is there to keep you safe and healthy and keep bacteria from getting into your parts. And it is to help you sweat and stay cool. And it's to protect you from 
the sun. <laughs> there are a lot right. of... There's a lot of reasons why people are still covered in both fine baby hairs and thick hairs. And genetics sort of play a component on how hairy Huge you are. Huge component. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so with that being said, whatever the fuck you want to do for grooming, any of, even if that is no grooming, is your prerogative and you do it. And as long as you don't shame your partners for yep, exactly. what works for them. I know some people where they hate waxing because it gives them the worst ingrowns. Um, mm. I hate shaving because I, for some reason, always get razor burn no matter too. how well I do it. So I refuse to shave. I'd rather have inch long leg hair and then wax it because I feel like it than shave ever. Yeah. No. And, and, and I think the important piece, and, and this is something that I've had to kind of um, negotiate how I phrase this preference, but uh, I don't like to put my mouth on balls that have hair on them. And like balls have hair and they have hair for a reason, for the same reason the vulvas have hair. Um, and so it's that being said, when you spread the labia to get to what you're trying to get to, your mouth isn't necessarily Correct. on the hair anymore. With yes. a ball, you can't spread shit to avoid that. That is very true. Um, and so I've been trying to, and thankfully both of my, both of my partners are like down with, with the fact that I don't like hairy balls. Um, and so it's fine, but it's, it's definitely something where I've tried to figure out how to express that preference without like shaming someone for not wanting to do specific types of grooming. I think there's nothing wrong with expecting a partner to trim. They don't necessarily have to go like completely bald, but there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with saying to a partner, like, listen, I really want to be able to enjoy this experience and give you an enjoyable experience. So together mm -hmm. I would like, you know. Uh, if possible, can we trim the hair, even if we don't shave the hair? Set mutual standards. Yeah. For, like, like, what would you be comfortable yeah. with? Like, and... I'm not asking you to wax because I wax. Because, like, that's not a fair expectation. I don't think it's fair for anyone to have a, a, an insane expectation of their partner that is unmaintainable. Yeah. If you have one of those partners who, like, they shave have to shave three times a day, so they decide to grow a beard, like... Would you want to shave three times a day? No. We've got to be understanding no. of those things. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, so to answer your question, um, respectable teenage, oh, respectable young gentleman. Um, uh, we grow hair during puberty because of the way that our hormones are starting to trigger and respond to our changes in our body. So sorry that it all kind of pops up in weird ways. Your body is preparing to be an adult that can reproduce and have sex. Like your body is preparing for sex. So you're growing hair on parts of your bodies that, as Katie mentioned, are about preventing bacteria from entering spaces. And so if you know that your body is going to be mashed up against someone else's, that hair is helping <laughs> to protect some of that bacteria from entering in. So that's part of it. Um, you know that your, your pheromones do change and you're going to start getting body odor. And sometimes it's because the body odor is clinging to the hair mm -hmm. on your body. And also just your smell is changing and it's it's fascinating, all of those different things. What I will say is um, please make sure you use a deodorant, uh, even if it's an all natural one and shower regularly. Yes, use soap. Because the hair will trap smell. Like the bacteria clings to the hair and yeah. that's where the smell of body odor comes from a lot yeah. of the time. It's when the, it's when the bacteria in your sweat meets the air and it starts to do funky chemical things and, and smell pretty gnarly. Um, I know also some people just feel more comfortable with themselves when they are less hairy, whether it's about appearance or just the smooth feeling, uh, both mm -hmm. men and women. And some people are not comfortable with that. So mm -hmm. uh, the reason we still grow hair is because it's still important for our health. It just so happens that we as a society don't give a shit about our health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like, we don't oh, care. Sam. I want to be hairless. 
Sad and true. Though it's funny because every time I go to the gynecologist, I like apologize for not having any hair on my vulva. I'm like, I know, I know that I should have hair. They don't care. They've seen it all. I know. No, I know they don't care. It's more that it's funny to me that I feel guilty about having a hairless vulva. I hear so many stories about women <laughs> who feel like they have to shave to go I know. to the gynecologist. And that's that's more of the trope that I'm used to hearing. And so I'm like, <laughs> what? Uh, I've had parts of my body laser hair removal that I would <gasps> like to go have done again. And mm. I have to say, like, I got I got my bikini line done. That's what I'm getting done. Shortly before I started working at the Jewish youth group. And we would have these beach days and other days. And it was such a relief to not have to worry about, oh, my God, I can't wear a bathing suit or I have to wear shorts because I forgot to shave or I forgot to do this. Because pubic hair is seen as an inappropriate body part that we don't show people. It is part Which of the is pubic region. Insane. Yeah. But also, like, I don't want the teens seeing my my pubes that's just about they can see my armpit hair I don't give a shit about that but there's something about them like knowing how I keep my hair that to me was that just feels very intimate. yeah it's just you know that's that's like I don't know if that's a societal expectation or if there's a personal reason for it probably societal but having my bikini line just like always taken care of and not needing to worry about will I accidentally show a pube in a bathing suit when I forgot we were going to the beach or a pool party mm-hmm. what a relief yeah, I'm doing it this winter when because I refuse to shave my vulva, I won't do it. Um, and so I, I've got to wait until after the summer. Yeah, I would like to get a lot more than just my bikini. Like I would love to get laser on my armpits because I absolutely I work out so much. Like I work out once or twice a day sometimes mm-hmm. when I have time twice a day, but when I'm not, you know, like once a day, and it just gets so annoying to have mm-hmm. hair there. Like, I know people yeah. like, it absorbs the sweat. I'm like, it collects the sweat, and then it's this big, smelly drip. Like, I'm not a fan. So, yeah, you know? Like, it's just, I just want that. Um, that being said, I totally think that, like, people who, who want to have natural body hair and just want to go to the gym with it, good for you. Live your truth. Yeah. If you are being kind to yourself and others and channeling empathy, live your truth. Thank you for listening. Join the Deviants Defining Elite at Sex News with Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can submit a listener question through sharewithray.com slash podcast. Email sexnewswithray at gmail.com. DM me on Instagram. Uh, find me on the street and stop me to ask a question. Or maybe just send me a text. Uh, follow me at wifebayray on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok and Razor Latex on Instagram and OnlyFans. This podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. The theme music is by Blank and Brilliant. Special thank you to Blue Microphones and Photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography.